How I Made It in America, where we peek into the minds of successful entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers with your host, Frazier. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. You're listening to How I Made It in America. I'm your host, Fraser Fraze, and my co-host, Azalea. So, Azalea, who do we have on the show today? Well, on our show today, we have a man who is undoubtedly an icon in the game of football. He is a hometown favorite here, and I would even say one of the most beloved former players of the Washington Redskins. Uh, You know him as the eight to the nine. Please welcome Mr. Santana Moss to the show. Santana, how you doing, sir? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I'm good morning. Great. Hey, man. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. So we don't have a lot of time, so we're going to just jump right into it. But I just want to make this disclaimer first. I am not a sports guy, but I love a great story. Okay? And you, no have, an, you have an amazing story. <laughs> so let's just jump right into it, man. I know you're from South Florida. You're from mm-hmm. Dade County. I had a yeah. chance to kind of hang out with you a couple of years ago when we were working yeah. on that project. And you kind of showed me your neighborhood. So kind of tell me, coming up as a kid, what was it like living in Dade County? You know, it was crazy, man. Honestly, uh, I go back now and uh, I call Virginia home, but I go home, that's still going to be home. When I go home and see the family, I'm just saying, I I always think back to those childhood years. It's like, how did I make it out of here? Like, what was, you know, I kind of, you know, go down memory lane, like, man, you know, what was my thought process with some of the things that I was seeing that was unbearable at times? And uh, it's no wonder why the kids go through what they go through because a lot of them kids, wasn't programmed like I was. Right. They didn't have the same mindset. They didn't have the same drive. And it's 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 some of the reasons why you see these guys fall in some of those pitfalls and be dealt some of the, the, the blows that they dealt and not able to make it out. So I'm more than privileged, blessed, you name it, all above, man, to make it out and just to be able to see my dream really come true. Right. Talking about obstacles. So I, re- I remember when uh, you were talking to a young man, I overheard you telling him that when you were – uh, I guess a, a little kid, you had a stuttering problem. So yeah. how was that, you know, you played football. Was this before you started playing football or is it the time you were playing football? From birth. <laughs> I was born with it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's all I knew. And it was crazy because over the years of just kind of kicking it, you don't kick it. It comes back every now and then. Right. But you know, you know the procedure. You, you know, you was told when you was young, calm down, right. do this, do that. And then, you know, you're able to do what you do. Right. Well, I remember as early as, you know, kindergarten, man, being teased and picked on about that. Right. And then you find yourself going to special classes or, or, or a class, a speech class, during your regular class period so you can work on that. So uh, overcoming that was something that I didn't look at it back then, you know, to be like, oh, I have to overcome this. It wasn't something that I cared about, honestly. But I remember my parents not wanting me to have to go through that and have to be dealt with that. And it also caused me a lot of, you know, rumblings and fights and stuff with guys because when they want to tease, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't made that way. I wasn't made to sit there and let you tease. I was going to fight you about it. So I eventually (laughs) had to fight so much to where it just built me to be the guy who I was. So all I knew was, you know, fighting. All I knew was to go out there and whatever I wanted or whatever I wanted, you know, done, I was going to fight for it because that's all I knew at that time. Oh, wow. So at, at what age did you start playing football? At what age? Oh, uh, my, my parents allowed me at early as I, I think I remember as 12. Um, when I was growing up in Liberty City, right. we grew up We grew up on 6th six, uh, six Avenue and 79th Street. If anyone know about 79th Street, and if anybody know about 7th Avenue and 79th Street, that's right there. 
Right. It's the worst, one of the worst areas you can possibly raise a kid in. And all I seen was night walkers, night crawlers, whatever you want to call them, prostitutes, drug, you know, uh, you know, you name it. They was in my backyard. I literally was, was friends with these people. Like, they, we knew each other on first-name basis. Uh-huh. I saw them more than I saw my parents at times. Uh-huh. And that's what, that was my surroundings. That was the people uh-huh. that I communicated with. And it actually built me to be who I am today because if I'm able to walk them streets and be able to not be, you know, scared or, or have fear, about what's going on around me, then mm-hmm. I can make it anywhere. And that's one of the reasons why I think when I knew as early as I wanted to have more, be more, do more, it was because of what I saw around me every day. Right. I saw the prostitution. I saw the drug, you know, the guys selling drugs. I saw the people that was on drugs, the people that we call, you know, uh, wine heads who was, who was strung out on liquor or, right. or, or whatever mm-hmm. you might want to call it. I saw that so much to where I'm like, man, I just can't be like, I can't grow up around this. And eventually my mom and dad, you know, moved us to Carroll City. We had a bigger place. You know, it wasn't our own, but we was, you know, we was comfortable. Right. And that's when they allowed me to play ball. And the rest was history, man. I didn't want to look back. So what, what kept you off the street? What kept you from, from following your friends? Because, you know, birds of a feathers flock together. So how were you able to, yeah. to yeah. separate from that? Just having a strong, uh, I had a strong support system. Okay. Um, I, can, I can truly tell you that if you even wasn't in, in my house alone, my family, period, we was all, we was, we was very close, you know. Okay. And when I tell you my grandmother's room was strong, my grandfather, my dad, my mom, my dad and my mom alone held it down. Like, we didn't have to lean on no one. Even though we didn't have much, we didn't lean on anybody. I, I remember going to family cookouts and fish fries at night. My grandmama just called and said, hey, I caught a bunch of fish today. I went fish. She go fishing like almost every, every day of the week. And wow. she would just come out of nowhere and say, hey, I want a fish fry. I want all my kids to bring their kids and that we're going to have a nice fish fry tonight. Okay. And I remember just how strong and connected we were. And you see so many other, your, your cousins and, and different, you know, uh, family members that's, you know, successful. And you're saying to yourself, like, man, this auntie has a little more money than we do because you right. can tell you how they dress, right. what kind of cars they drive. Mm-hmm. So that alone pushed me to want what they had. But other than that, my mom and dad was doing the right thing because they showed me that it was all about working for what you wanted. And it was all about supporting what you have. My right. mom and dad didn't make me and my brother. Oh, I lost them. We had a roof over our head. We had food on the, uh, the uh, table every night and morning. Right. And we had clothes on our back. So right. we never really wanted more than that. But when you see the other successful family members and people that you know that have a little more, it, you know, as a kid, if have what I had in me, mm-hmm. you're going to obviously say, hey, what did it take for them to get that? Right. And, you know, before I knew football was going to, you know, make my life that much better, I just wanted to play ball. But when I heard you can really work, that can be your profession, oh, that's what I'm going to do. So I remember as early as I was six, seven years old, when someone asked me, what were you going to do when you get older? I want to play football. They was like, what's your backup plan? That's no backup plan. Football wow. is my goal. And I just strive, strive, strive. And I made sure that everything I did, it was pertaining to what I want to be and what I want to become. Even when I heard the doubters, even when I heard the naysayers, I said, look here, man, I've seen the worst. Right. I've been through more than people probably can imagine at my age. And I've seen two people get up every morning and go, go out there and get what they want. Right. If they can do it, I can do it. If so they you- showed me the way, then I'm going to go get what I want. And that's where I, I became who i become. Yeah, I love that you utilize like what other people would see as like obstacles or yeah. like, a, you know, an environment or a situation where others could be like, oh, well, I'm stuck or I'm resigned to this. You used it as power yeah. to say, I'm not 
this is this is what I don't want, and I'm going to do yes. everything that it takes to not stay in this. And yeah. um, I mean, yeah. yeah. So how how hard was it? Because you weren't the biggest kid on the field, right? Yeah. And so what was that like with when you're trying to play and they're like, ah, oh, you're too small, but you knew you you knew you had something in you. So how were you able yeah. to overcome all those obstacles? Well, you just show them. I mean, one of the things about the playground, kids going to find out real fast who is who. Right. You know, it, it's all about trial and error. Like, you go out there and whether you're on a basketball court, whether you're, you're on a football field playing sandlot, you catch a ball or you make a move or you hit somebody, they're going to say that he's tough. Right. And that's what happened. I had older guys. It was guys 18 years old knocking on my mom's house at one time when I was 11 or 12. And my dad, you know, my dad's one of those dads. He don't play the game. And he'd come out like, what's going on? Like, he making sure that none of these guys punking me or trying to, you know, and he's like, what's going on? Right. Uh, why y'all want my son? Well, right. we finna play football, and I want him on my team. Right. And so my dad like, well, shit, how old are y'all? You know, and these guys like, well, I'm 17, I'm 18. Like, how's he going to be on y'all? How's he going to help your team? Right. And he the coldest little kid in the neighborhood. You know right. what I'm saying? We right. want him. And that's when my father knew, like, man, my son's getting, you know, these older guys are coming to get him out the house to play on their team. So, my heart was always there because that's how I grew up. I grew right. up in a, I grew up in Liberty City in a house with fifteen plus people. Wow! So you, hold on, how, hold, wait, 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 stop! You, how many folks lived in the house with you? How it many? Was like fifteen of us. Wow! And we Man. had the best in a two bedroom home. Whoa! It was the best time of my life. And to, to this day, I remember that more than anything. It was the most fun I've ever had growing up. All right, so here's here's the, the big question. So who yeah. who had to fight over the food? It was fifteen people. I no, know. You know what? <laughs> Come on now. My grandma would say, when I put food on the table in the morning and at night, you better be in the house because she's going to feed everybody. Yeah. If you're not there, you're not going to eat. Uh -oh. And that's how I went. And my mom made sure that, you know, her kids had their food. It was always enough food because she's going to cook the stuff that we can afford. It's a bunch of chicken. It's always going to be chicken. Right. It has something to do with chicken or pasta, spaghetti. You know, you can pick, cook a big bowl of spaghetti. Everybody going to get full off of that. Right. You know, so it was always <laughs> something that. We can afford and that, you know, it was going to be enough for everybody because we had so many folks. All right. But if you weren't there, you weren't going to eat. That's crazy. That's crazy. So great with the childhood. So now you're in college, right? Yeah. So you played football in high school. You got um, a chance to go to college. Uh, was that yeah. something that was on your mind? Or do you think were you a smart student? How, what kind of student were you in high school before college? I was doing enough so I could make it to college to play football. Yeah. Honestly, I tell you, I tell folks to this day, there was a time when I thought, Going into my senior year, I, honest, honest to God, truth, I just told this story the other day. There was a time in my life I said, damn, here I am. I went through all these years from little league to high school, and maybe this football thing not going to work out for oh, me. Oh, well, because the doubt the, kicked in. Because my numbers hasn't added up to say you a collegiate prospect, you know? Right. I'm like, I'm like man, maybe this thing isn't all what it is. I, maybe I might not get a chance to really be a collegiate oh, wow. and play this game because I knew my mom and dad couldn't afford it. So right. I'm like, the only way I could get in is a, you know, a scholarship. Right. Mm -hmm. And just before I got a chance to doubt myself, God always showed you a way. And, mm -hmm. and what I learned through the process is that if you put all you have into something, regardless of what it is, he's going to give, give you something back from it. And that year, my junior year, when the football season ended, I went to track. My coach made me actually run that year. And i tell you the truth. I won a state championship for the first time as a team. My school had never won a state championship in track. I helped them win a state championship in track as a team, and I also went up there and won two individual um, um, the triple jump and long jump events. 
and that gave me my scholarship to to college. Wow. And that's that's wow. what allowed me to play football. So it's crazy. Just when I was about to doubt myself and say, hey, man, this is not what's going to happen, that happened. And then the next year I had the best football season ever. Wow. I ever had. And with that season and with the track season that I had just went through, right. everyone started knocking on the door. But I had to make my mind up because I'm like, hey, I don't want to run track. But the University of Miami is giving me opportunity to do what I want to do. Right. And that's play football. And by, by me being a Miami guy, knowing what that tradition and what that ball club is about, mm-hmm. I, it, it'll be a no-brainer for me to go ahead and take that track scholarship and walk onto that football team. Right. So how was it playing in the college league? I know it's different from high school. How was, yeah. it, how was it playing the college league? It was, it was, it was, man, it was like, I couldn't imagine what I did in college as a, a collegiate athlete or even just being in that setting because it's crazy, man. Like I say, I've always leaned on things that I've, went through or heard growing up the little ups and downs I had obstacles, you know, we didn't really go over a lot of that, but I remember at one point in time in high school, I had to see a chiropractor. I had to see a, a, this back specialist because I didn't pass a physical. Wow. And this guy was a university of Miami graduate. And all he talked about was the hurricane. I got to get you back to full scrimmage so you can be a recruit for my Miami hurricane. Oh wow. This guy knew Diddley squad about me as a, a, a ball player. He didn't know nothing about me how good I was or nothing. And right. at that time I wasn't that good because my numbers wasn't allowing me to really, you know, you know, prove that fact. So he was just talking to me about the University of Miami and I'm sitting here like, man, I don't care about none of that. All I want to do is play. So get me straight enough that I can pass this physical right. and I can play. And but, but besides him, I had a girlfriend that her grandfather told me the first day I took her to prom, that probably was the first time I met him, he told me, I'm not Diddley squat. He ain't saying those words. Right. He told me, if I'm not a Miami Hurricane, I ain't, I ain't it. Wow. And I looked at him, and I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> I guess I ain't it because right now, I don't think Miami Hurricanes know anything about me. You know what I'm saying? Right, so right. To, to end up at University of Miami, it was like, wow. All these people who just talking to me about the, the, the Hurricanes and just me being a Miami guy, how did I end up here? But when I got there, man, the opportunity, you know, presented itself. And being the guy that I was, coming from where I came from, seeing the struggles, seeing everything that other guys who I felt was way better than me or just peaked before I did, to see where they went when they went left and I went right, to know that I had an opportunity. All right, that's all. Awesome. Hold, hold on, hold on, Moss, hold on. We're going to take a quick break, but guys, don't go anywhere. We're going to be continuing more with Santana Moss. One second. Hey guys, we are back. This is How I Made It in America, and you're listening to your host, Fraser Phrase with Santana Moss. So, Santana, so college, you made All American, right? Yeah. How was that experience? The experience was great, you know, because um, just knowing what I put in, just knowing how hard I worked for it, I didn't go out there looking for accolades. Even when I played pro, I never looked at an accolade and say that's going to define me. Right. Um, I went out there saying I want to be the best I can be with the opportunity that I'm given and making sure that the guys that I'm out there sweating with, going to war with, battling with, and those coaches that and uh, that is trusting in me to go out there and get the job done, that I can make sure I can look them in the eye at the end of the day and know that I did my job. Mm-hmm. So for my job to you know lead to being All-American status and being a playboy All-American and all that stuff, it was to me was like you know that was like the sign of 
of my reward or, or them reward me saying, job well done, but at the same time, to do that on a collegiate level and to do that as a University of Miami Hurricane, you know, I don't really – I never got a chance to really dwell on it. You know, I was always looking ahead and trying to be better, so I put it behind me and was like, okay, that's a, that's a notch that I didn't expect, but, hey, I'll take it. Now let me move forward and try to see what more can I do. Okay, so at six years old, you had this vision that I want to play football. This is the only thing I want to do. Yeah. You get a chance. Now you're watching your, 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 these other guys play on TV, and you mm-hmm. now get drafted to play in the NFL. The very first time you stepped on the field, not in training, but actually on the field, how was that experience, and did you feel that you had to, again, prove yourself? Yeah, man. To be honest with you, it was great having the opportunity to make it and say, man, I'm living my dream. But my dream has always been, to me, a roller coaster because even after I made it, you know, my first time on the field, as crazy as it might sound, it was home in Miami playing against the Dolphins. But that was my first game of the season, and it was like week 12, and I had just come off a knee injury. Wow. <laughs> and this is my first year. Wow. And I'm saying to myself, look at me now. I'm getting a chance to play my dream, live out my dream, but I'm not myself. I'm not the guy that they drafted. Right. I'm coming off a leg injury that put me out for the entire season that I didn't even get to play a game yet. And I'm home now. I'm playing my first game at home, this place where I lived down the street from Pro Player Stadium at the time. Now it's called Hard Rock Stadium. I, that's, that's in my neighborhood. Right. I live down the street. I saw that every day going to school. And I'm playing my first pro game here, and I can't be the guy that they drafted for me to go out here and produce or be you know, somebody that, you know, these guys can really cheer on. So right. it was a different experience, but I was happy to be here, but I knew I still had work ahead. So, like I said before, I was just always one of those guys, regardless of what what was dealt to me, I put my head down and made sure I worked because I knew that I wanted more and I knew where I was at at the time wasn't going to be there for long. Okay. And you got – and you got – Came to the Redskins, and you know the Redskins, the Washingtonian. You're one of their favorites wide receiver ever, right? Um, mm-hmm. h- how was that experience leaving that other team? I'm not going to mention that team and to yeah. playing for the Redskins. We won't mention because <laughs> we we're, we're in DC, so we can't mention that team. But yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. No, you know what, man? Honestly, I think it was uh, everything happened for a reason. Everything happened for a reason. Um, I remember being get ready to get, get drafted the, the week leading up to the to the day of the draft. Everyone said I was coming to Washington. Right. And a lot of things transpired uh, in-house with the coaches and uh, the owner that made me go elsewhere. And okay. to see me come back and be able to be a Redskin and have a chance, uh, that 2005 season was everything. I mean, uh, the way I came and became you know, known here instantly with the Miracle in um, Dallas, right. Miracle Monday Night Miracle or whatever you want to call it. Again, that, an- another that, situation where the universe is here. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. We just, I mean, it was it was like, you know what, this is where I sh- should have been, you know, from the get-go. But right. uh, my career here, I played 10 years here. It probably wasn't as pleasant as some of the other Redskins when it comes to Super Bowls and all that. Right. But the one thing and the one reason that I, that I think I love this area the most is because you know, those fans was always there. They always cheered us on regardless of how good or bad we was that year. And that's what was easy for me to go out there and be the player that I was to them because that's all I needed was somebody to respect and appreciate the work that I was putting in. And that's why I went out there and played 
lights out and, and gave it my heart every time. And you and you really did. I saw your stats. I was like, oh my god, because you know we we met on different circumstances for we were yeah. working on a television show. So I, again, I'm not in the sports like that. So. Didn't look at your stats until last night. I was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. So my <laughs> my my level of respect for you went out the window. So I'm like, unbelievable. So I want to ask you a quick question, right? So you played for 14 seasons, right? Yeah. Um, was there ever a point where you said, show, I made it, son, I made it. Was there ever a point where you sat back and said, yo, this is what it's all about. I'm playing in the NFL. I am the man. Honestly, come on now, seriously. Never phrase. Never? Never. Never. Like, I honestly, I like you know, that. when people say, when, when, awesome. when folks ask me questions to this day, like, what was it like, you know, what is, what is like, what's you going to, how, how are you going to tell your story? Right. Santana, what is your story going to be about? Right. I said, you know what, and I don't want to give too much of what I want to tell, but I said, I think the title of my story is going to be like something leading with when you made it and you're still fighting like you haven't made it. Right. I felt like I never made it. Like I was literally fighting every year to prove somebody wrong, to 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 be more to the team that I was at, or to be just the guy that I wanted to be. I felt like regardless of what I was doing on the field, mm-hmm. I wasn't getting appreciated throughout the NFL. Right. But I didn't get appreciated for having 14 or 15 quarterbacks in 15 years. Wow. I went out there and did stuff that guys was doing that had one quarterback, that had one team that was familiar with and I had two different teams, five different co- uh, coordinators, you name it, probably five or six different head coaches, and I was putting up the same numbers but never was getting the, the uh, appreciation from my, uh, my peers of, right. except the guys on my team who saw me work and say, man, damn, this, boy, this guy here don't get the praise for what he's doing, but it's hard to be him. So I've always felt like I was fighting uphill because I feel like I wasn't recognized like the others right. who was putting up the same numbers I was putting up in better situations, and I had to really fight and grind and, you know, you name it, scratch and crawl for everything that I had. So now that you have retired, right, are you ever, like, sit back and watch a game and say, you know, I still have another season left in me. I can still, <laughs> I think I still can if they give me uh, one more chance. I know I, I know I can do it. A couple of years ago, yeah, okay. I always felt like, man, you know, I left this game and I felt like I had three years. Even when I left, I didn't want to leave. Right. But being the guy that I am, I never felt like I had to beg for anything in life. I've always worked. And I knew that the body of work that I left on tape, on the field my last season, should have proved to any coach out there that I still had something in the tank. Right. But one thing as a Redskin, I noticed that you never could really, you know, um, be settled because we always had different guys coming in out of the door as coaches, as, you know, uh, GMs. And so with these guys coming in, they're going to want their own guys. Right. And I just felt like, you know, regardless of what I did, the guys that they had at the time didn't appreciate, you know, the guy who really the Washington Redskins as an organization appreciated. Right. And so when they didn't give me the chance to come back, I got a chance to really sit out there and wait around for folks to say, well, hey, we know he still got it, but – we want to wait to this because he's an older guy. You know what? You know what? You don't need to do me no favors. I'm going to go ahead and make it easy for you. I got eight weeks. When the eighth <laughs> week hit, if I don't get picked up, I'm going to go ahead and retire because I felt like the proof is in the pudding. Right. You know what I'm saying? I right. don't want to hear you telling me some story about what you see on tape because if you see what I see on tape and you see what I know I know I can do, 
then you will have me in your roster knowing I can help your club. Right. And mm-hmm. when I heard that, man, it, it made me feel bad because I'm like, man, here I am. I'm one of those guys that watch guys like me now come in and out of those doors that had the potential, that had the game, but the circumstances of that team that they was coming in on didn't fit who they were or didn't fit enough for them to stay. Right. And I'm like, I can't be him. I done played too long to sit here and now have to deal with this. And my heart is in Washington. So why fight to go somewhere else when really the team that I want to be with and want to end my whole career with is right there? So I'm going to go ahead and say it's over. It was, it was a good 14 years. And I'm going to move on to bigger and better things. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, Santana, um, I know that you're, so much of your philosophy um, is about, like, how foot, how the game of football is like life um, yeah. and how you use that to teach others to, to push ahead and to strive through. Can you talk a little bit about that for our listeners? Yeah, two minutes. I mean, yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I think football is one of the things that showed me that it, it's, it is life. You know, that's why it's easy for me now for the camps I put on. I have this Moss Academy camp. Uh, we actually, we uh, this is the third year going on for this camp that every summer I host kids for a week. It usually be a week. This year we made it two weeks where we teach them the game of life, football. We teach them, like I tell, I tell parents all the time, I can't make your kid a better football player. I'm going to teach them some of the things I've learned and some of my colleagues and the guys that play with me are going to teach them that, but what we're going to do is give them life, you know, be a life coach for them those that, that week or two weeks. And we just basically show them that with some of the ups and downs that we experienced through football and had to get back up and, and fight through it, that's the same – some of those same ups and downs you're going to go through in life regardless of what are you doing. It don't matter if you're a ball player or not. You know, life is going to throw you some bad, rotten apples. Yeah. And it's up to you to say, man, you know, I'm going to let that, you know, be the deciding factor or not. If you one of those guys like myself, and even you're not that guy now, hopefully when you leave here, you have a better understanding of why guys like myself make it and why guys who don't make it don't make it right. because right. they was not able to push through. They right. saw, they was dealt, and they settled. Right. I'm a guy that saw, I was dealt, and I wasn't going to settle. Awesome. Well, you truly are an inspiration, uh, you know, to to everyone. Um, it, you know, your 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 drive is in- incredible. Um, but so, what's you know, what's next for you? A minute. We've got one 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 minute left, so we yeah. want to definitely get into you know what's next for yeah. Santana. I could talk all oh. day, but uh, uh, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I, I tell you what we're going to do. We're probably going to have to do a part two because yeah. it just said twenty yeah. seconds, yeah. Phrase, twenty seconds. Yeah. But I want to thank you so much for uh, giving us a lot of information about you that a lot of folks didn't know, and yeah. and and the side of of like how you grew up with your mom and dad, and they were the, the foundation of who you are today. Mm-hmm. And we uh-huh. want to thank you for your ten years uh, with the Redskins, and also yes, thank you. just thank you for being who you are as an individual. Again, guys, well I want to thank Santana Moss for coming on the show. Um, we are now about to end the show so guys <laughs> you listen to How I Made in America I'm your host Fraser Phrase and I'm Azalea Thanks see you guys so next Tuesday take care How I Made it in America see you next Tuesday at 11am <laughs>